Bucknoters, welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, July 26th, 2019. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. Jay Book, uh, let's start off with recruiting. Uh, we'll finish the show talking about the current crop of wide receivers for the 2019 Buckeyes, even after replacing Terry McLaurin and Johnny Dixon and Paris Campbell. I still think this 2019 wide receiving core for the Buckeyes is very impressive. Let's start out on the recruiting front. Kind of three things that throw at you here one, all at once looking at this 2020 class. Uh, when you look at Bijan Robinson, the five-star running back, it looks really good for Ohio State to land him. When you look at four-star, high four-star all-purpose back Jalen Knighton from Florida, it looks really good for the Buckeyes to land him. But it's starting to not sound so good as far as landing five-star corner Elias Ricks. Uh, just what are you hearing about all that? And kind of break that down for me if you would, sir. Yeah, as you mentioned, um, you pretty much hit it on the head there, looking got, looking good for the first two guys, and, and uh, things are starting to slip a little away with Riggs. Uh, we'll start with Robinson. I mean, all indications are that he's going to be a Buckeye. I know the Texas Insider on their 24-7 board pretty much waved the white, uh, the white flag. It, it came down to a Texas versus Ohio State battle, and it's very fascinating because uh, you know, Ohio State fans are very familiar with Stan Drayton, and he's on the uh, University of Texas staff with Tom Herman, as well as Tim Beck. And this is a battle here that Ryan Day and, and Tony Alford really took it to those Texas guys. Uh, the, the Texas uh, fan base, they're pretty upset with the recruiting uh, that's been going on with Stan Drayton. He really hasn't hit on his targets. In fact, it, it got to the point to where, Texas needed Tim Beck to step in because things were starting to trend towards Ohio State way. And you have to give uh, Tony Alford as well as Ryan Day uh, a ton of credit here going out west into Pac-12, the hardest Pac-12 country, and snagging the five-star running back, a guy who could be uh, someone who steps on campus and buys for carry. Uh, Beyond, Beyond Robinson, is a, a, is, he's the type of guy – that will make the safeties crowd into the box. But the beautiful thing about it is you have a dynamic wide receiver group that's coming in. So this offense has the potential to be out, outstanding. And then you look at Knighton from Florida. He's a guy that's, that's being paid as an all-purpose back. But if you put on his tape, he brings a little pop to his game. I really like what he brings to the table. Not only does he have the potential to be a home run hitter, but he, he's a tough son of a gun. He will run between the tackles if he asks him, and he just brings an all-around package. And, and, and the thing about those two guys, they really complement each other. Some people look at, at Robinson as also more of an all-purpose back because he has the ability to catch it out of the backfield. But anytime you can uh, pair two dynamic uh, running backs from different parts of the country who are really at the top of their game, it's a home run. But when you, you mentioned uh, Elias Ricks. Obviously, that was going to be a long shot there. I know our, uh, our own Bill Curley uh, was kind of, you know, kind of bullish on that. Uh, how things were potentially turning towards Ohio State, but the last latest reports is that he's leaning store leaning towards sticking with LSU. Obviously, um, things can things could change if you can get him up for a visit, like things are planned for the uh, Penn State official visit. 
there obviously things can change, especially when it comes to uh, uh, IMG kid. Those guys are definitely open to be recruiting. So you have to be very excited about the the, the two guys that you mentioned with Robinson and, and Knight and, and kind of just keeping your fingers crossed when it comes to Riggs. To me, uh, Riggs is just – he's just kind of a cherry on top of a class once Ohio State lands Knight and Robinson, it's going to push this class ahead of Clemson to, to number one. If you'd have told me first year under Ryan Day that this his first full recruiting class would have been competing for the number one spot, you know, I'd have been doing cartwheels, and that looked like it's going to be the case. I don't think this class will stay at number one once some of those other schools, such as Clemson and Alabama, starts adding a little bit more. Uh, to their class, but if you're talking top five, you're splitting hairs there. Yeah, even Urban Meyer never finished with the number one class at Ohio State. Finished with the number two class three different times, finished with the number three class once, and frankly, at least two of those classes that finished number two should have you know, been ranked number one. If they re-ranked those classes, they would have been uh, number one. I'm talking specifically about of course, 2013, you know, the, the crux of that national championship team in 2014, and then uh, that 2017 class, I think, as well, if they re-ranked them, that would be the number one class in the nation. But, hey, number two in the nation is not bad, and I'm with you. I think, you know, at one point they're going to be ranked number one. Ohio State will in this 2020 class after they land B. John Robinson and, and Jalen Knighton, but, you know, I think they'll end up finishing second or third, and that's still extremely elite. Um, here's, I tell you, Dave, here's, here's, the, here's the beautiful thing about this class. And if you want to compare it uh, to our rivals, Michigan, once they land Robinson and Knighton, that's going to give Ohio State 10 top 100 uh, recruits in the in the uh, 24-7 composite compared to Michigan's one. I mean, you talk about Ryan Day absolutely taking Jim Harbaugh behind the woodshed right now. He's slaughtering him when it comes to recruiting the top-end talent. So you mean to telling me that Ohio State – is pretty much going to have 11. If you look at, you know, it's 22 guys on the football field, hypothetical, and you're going to tell me 10, 10 of those guys on Ohio State side is going to be uh, top 100 compared to Michigan's one. If I'm looking at that, I'm looking at a huge talent gap between Ohio State and Michigan. This this supposed to be the time when Michigan makes their run at Ohio State, but but uh, Ryan Day is coming in here giving Jim Harbaugh that Dikembe Mutombo finger and telling him not in my house. Uh-uh. Not up in here you don't. And, you know, he said it's it's crazy because you're right. I mean, I'm sure every Michigan fan was thinking, okay, now's our time to get them not only on the field but certainly on, on the recruiting front. And it's the complete opposite. It, it's just Ohio State's just blowing Michigan out of the water. Um, and uh, and the rest of the Big Ten, Michigan has the you know number two class of the Big Ten. It's not like they're recruiting terribly, but they're nowhere near Ohio State. I mean, you look at average player rating; it's not even close. I think Michigan, when it's all said and done, I've said this before on the show. You know, I, right now they're ranked eighth or ninth. Um, they have the same amount of, of commits as Ohio State twenty twenty two. But I think Michigan will fall out of the top ten. I think they're going to finish like around twelfth, maybe as you know as bad as. 14th or 15th in this class because I don't think they're really in on anybody else that's going to be able to boost them. Where whereas Ohio State's already way up there and they're going to get more guys like Bijan Robinson that are yeah. going to boost their grade You're and right. Jalen Knight and, and and you know maybe a few more. And people are wondering about this transitions nicely to our next topic. People are wondering about numbers in this class and you know there's one young man um, and I you know I'm upset. I want to be consistent. You can't teach. Six foot nine, three fifty, um, and that's what Trey LaRue is. He's the lowest ranked member member of the class for Ohio State. Um, uh, now there's talk, you know, that uh, you know 
Ohio State could move on. Everybody's kind of just you know parsing their words carefully. But if you listen, for example, to what like Bill Green has been saying during his chats, you know he's got to be careful what he says. But you know, um, it's you know you, it's pretty easy to read between the lines that there's at least some legitimate discussion there, Jay Book, about Ohio State's at least thinking about moving on from Trey Larue. I'll just ask you. I mean, I don't know how much you, you've watched this young man's tape or anything, but um, could Ohio State move on from Trey Larue? Should they move on from him? I wouldn't necessarily jump the gun and say they should. Obviously, you mentioned uh, you can't teach size, a 6'9 guy like that. Um, he's extremely raw. He's going to be uh, needed to coach up. They're really going to have to be patient with him. He's obviously going to be uh, a first candidate that you look at as far as getting a red shirt to try to get him stronger. Um, he's going to need to really work with his footwork. The thing that is going to be key for him is he needs to have a monster tape uh, coming up this fall season uh, in order for Ohio State to really let this recruitment stick here. If he shows the progression um, that you want to see from Ohio State commit, then it's going to be something that you think about and you consider. Um, He's an in-state kid, so obviously in-state kids are going to get the benefit of the doubt. But the thing about Ryan Day is he's a stone-cold killer. He does not mess around. Just because you're committed to Ohio State doesn't mean that you can rest on your laurels. So LaRue's going to need to come out there and absolutely just toss some bodies out the club uh, when it comes to uh, showing what he can do with that size. Obviously, he showed up to uh, multiple Ohio State camps to try to uh, get the coaching in. That's something that you want to see. You like to see a guy who wants to be coached up and you can't teach size. If he can show that nastiness, and a guy that they really think that can develop down the line, it's going to be it's going to be questionable. But the other element behind the behind the curtain is, do they have another high profile guy that they think that can see the field right now that is not really on the radar as far as our uh, recruiting analysts? Because if Ohio State is working something behind the scenes and they think that the numbers are going to get really tight. That's going to be a, a 50-50 call there. And, uh, Trey LaRue has an opportunity to really showcase um, that he belongs uh, in his class, and if he does that, then it's going to make the decision pretty hard for Ryan Day and, uh, and, uh, and Stud and, and Pantone. Yeah, and, and just one more thing before we talk about the current crop of uh, wide receivers for the Buckeyes this year. You know, when you look at um, Trey LaRue, I wonder how much the staff is looking at it as – we already are taking somewhat of a chance on Dewan Jones. Now, I really like the kid you know, out of Indianapolis. So again, I can't teach 6'8", 360. And Dewan Jones, you know, just from looking at, you know, he, he's just more athletic than Trey LaRue. You know, he's, you know, and I think he's more of a, uh, just, you know, Trey LaRue, you can make the argument, I think some are that, he, you know, he's a little bit out of shape. Dewan Jones is just, as I'd say, he's just big boned. You know, he, he's, he's just naturally that big. And, and he's got good feet. I mean, you don't. You don't play at the high level of high school basketball in Indiana and go and make the Indiana All-Star team and play against the Kentucky All-Star team and all that stuff if you're not a really, really good basketball player. And that means he's got good feet. So I love that they have Dewan Jones as a true freshman this year, and they can most likely redshirt him and get him with Coach Mick. So, But I do want to ask you this. Do you think there's any chance that the staff's looking at it like, all right, where do you have kind of one project on the offensive line of Dewan Jones? Do we really want two projects and maybe – could that be hurting Trey LaRue's stock? I mean, it could be something that they talked about, but you would have thought that that conversation would have took uh, took place long before they even offered Trey LaRue because you already knew that DeWan Jones was a guy 
um, that was going to need some time to develop. Obviously, you mentioned um, him on the basketball court, and I love I love DeWan Jones being in his class. I think he has some swift feet for a big man. It's not often that you can see a guy just drop step and throw down dunks. Um, he's a guy that is, is in shape. Um, obviously, his game needs to be coached up. Uh, once you get him in the strength and conditioning room with Coach Mick, it's really going to help develop his body and cut some of that baby fat off of him. But I really love his athleticism. And, and the thing that really puzzled me, when even just having the overall discussion with Trey LaRue, is I don't know why Ohio State was so uh, willing to offer him early on. I I think he was a guy down the line that they easily could have got after they saw how he developed his senior year. Um, Can I jump in real quick? Can I jump yeah. in real quick? I hear you. Because this, this kind of leads into my point. I should have mentioned this earlier, Jay Book. Um, I feel like that right now Ohio State is just – I mean, they just have crazy recruiting momentum. They have their mojo. They have everything you could want right now. They are just killing it. I think when they got Trey LaRue, they weren't desperate, but they didn't have nearly the momentum they had have right now. It was just a different time. Even though it was, even though it was just a few months ago, and even though they already had Dewan Jones, I just feel like maybe that was part of it. Right now they're just killing it, and, and just a few months ago they really weren't. Yeah, and I understand that, but, you know, you still that still doesn't um, alleviate the fact that he was always going to be a project kid. Um, you knew you had Paris Johnson pretty much in the fold, and you had Weifler, who was another high-profile offensive lineman. So you pretty you knew you had two stud offensive linemen pretty much right there on the hook. Because um, Weifler, he was he was an Urban Meyer commit, and then Johnson also was pretty much committed to Urban Meyer, and they they knew they had to re-recruit him after Urban Meyer was going to retire, and they still offered Trailer Roof fairly early in the process. To me, I thought Trailer Roof was a guy that they say, hey, we really like your game, we like your size, we still want to see how you're going to develop, come to our camps, and we're going to monitor where, you, where you're where you at as far as uh, your development comes come your senior year. What's the worst-case scenario? Trailer Root commits to Kentucky or something, and Ohio State uh, is easily, easily going to flip him back into the fold if they wanted to. But they offered him early, he committed, so it's going to be up to him to really prove the doubters wrong that he belongs in his class. Uh, if Ohio State is in a situation where they don't believe that they have another primetime player that's going to replace him, then they can obviously stick with him and see how things go. Especially, and the thing that you want to keep in mind is recruiting has changed uh, dramatically within, I just say, the past year because if guys aren't playing, that transfer portal is wide open for guys just to transfer out. So it also could be a situation where they want him in the fold to have some type of bodies, and they're going to be banking on stud, getting those guys developed and potentially emerging down the line. Because they're, they're going to need bodies, regardless of what people say. Everybody can't be a starter at Ohio State. Everybody can't be in the too deep at Ohio State. They need scholarship players to also fill out those practice squad in order to get live reps for the the two deep. So they're going to need people there that necessarily uh, who necessarily don't believe they should be starting day one, which you see a lot of times with these high profile commits. With Trey LaRue, it gives them the luxury of developing him because he's not going to be a guy that's going to be stepping foot on campus and believe if I don't play within my first two years, I'm out of here. 
Yeah, and very well said all the way around. And I, you know, I'm rooting for Trey LaRue. I, yeah, again, you can't teach that type of size. I love linemen from Ohio. They always seem to overachieve. You know, you got guys like, uh, yeah, we can just go. I don't want to. I'd leave a hundred guys out. I'm not just going to start naming guys. But I mean, we can just think of so many guys that, you know, from Ohio that, uh, you know, uh, maybe weren't. Uh, the highest-ranked recruits that end up just being not just great players at Ohio State, but the NFL as well. So I'll be rooting for Trey LaRue. Um, all right, to finish the show here, uh, first of all, let me ask you, before we really get into it, let me ask you if you agree with this, Jay Book. So the top five wide receivers for Ohio State this year, in whatever order, um, K.J. Hill, Chris Olave, Austin Mack, Ben Victor, Garrett Wilson, would you agree those are the top five? I, I agree with that. Um, obviously, if, if Austin Mack can have a bounce-back year, I think it could be interchangeable between him and Ben Victor because I think Ben Victor really came on towards the latter part of the season. Yeah, yeah. In whatever order, those guys are like, because, you know, Ryan Day said, I want a rotation of six or seven, you know, at least six. So the, I look at them, okay, those five are locks if they stay healthy, just locks. And we'll see, maybe, you know, Mack and Victor can have their breakout season as seniors. We see it all the time with Ohio State receivers. The light just comes on as a senior. Sometimes as a fourth-year junior, like D. Miller, back in the day, the light came on for him as a fourth-year junior. We saw it with Devin Smith as a senior. Light came on for him the national championship season. Everybody's thinking, everybody was down on Devin Smith coming in of the year and then boom uh you know best long ball threat in ohio state history by the numbers that year when you look at average yards per catch and touchdowns um all right so here's my here's what i want to get into so they're going to need at least one more to fill that out the rotation maybe two so and they've got in my estimation like five guys in the mix here i'm gonna get your thoughts on who might fill you know the, the one or two other guys that might fill out the rotation here so they've got jalen harris i like him i like cj saunders I like Jalen Gill. Jalen Gill's obviously an H back. Uh, Elijah Gardner could be coming on, and the other guy I wrote down was Jamison Williams. He's a super long shot. He's a true freshman speedster. They'll probably redshirt him. But you look at those guys like Jalen Harris, C.J. Saunders, Jalen Gill, Elijah Gardner, uh, even Jamison Williams. If you want to mention him, Who, who's if you had to pick one or two guys, who's, who's going to be the guys that really fell off the rotation? Yeah, I definitely my first guy that I would put on that list is Jalen Gill. I think he's going to be absolutely dynamic. He has the potential to be really, really special in this offense. Um, so it, obviously you mentioned he's an ace back, but he's going to be lined up. He's considered in that zone six wide receiver unit. So I like him. They really like C.J. Saunders. He's kind of the Mr. Reliable. I know there's been some small chatter about he's potentially an NFL uh, free agent type of guy that could end up with the uh, New England Patriots and, and carve out a niche for himself. That's that's kind of the, the mode that a lot of people have compared him to. So I think he's going to be uh, someone that will get some reps. I don't see C.J. Saunders, when it comes to next man up towards that bottom rotation, I don't think he's going to be a guy that just uh, melts away on the bench. And and Jalen Harris, I mean, I, I, I like Jalen Harris. I know Stanley Jackson, when they had the zone going, was a huge Jalen Harris fan. He – he told stories countless times about how he went over to practice and Jalen Harris just had your mouth just hanging on the floor because he was that dynamic. But the problem with is Jalen Harris is not consistent. If he can figure out how to put it all together talent-wise, I think he can be uh, a ball player here. But it's just going to be uh, if if uh, Hartline can get him developed and if uh, Jalen Harris can put it together as far as, you know, knowing what he's supposed to do as a wide receiver and, and learning the playbook. So I, if I had to pick one, it would be Gill and then C.J. Saunders and then uh, Jalen Harris and then Gardner after that. 
This was a great discussion here on the the Bucknuts Morning 20. <laughs> uh, Jay Book, always coming strong. I really appreciate it. He is Jonah Booker. Thank you very much, Jay Book, and thanks to all the listeners out there for tuning in to the show. I appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend. We'll try the Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. Bye.